Well, greetings, everybody. Welcome once again to the Rec Poker Podcast. This is episode 188, and today we have Jason Sue, uh, who is the author of Poker with Presence, Unlocking the Final 15%. Uh, excited about that. I'm your host, Steve Fredland. I am Rec Poker Steve uh, on our Poker Stars home games, and reminding you that, as Tom McAvoy said, there is more to poker than life. Uh, let's, let's introduce the rest of the panel, guys. I'm Andrew Feist. I'm dealer 412 on the, the home game. Uh, I don't know what to follow that one up with, Steve, so I'm going to let that one go. I think Chris is next. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm Chris Jones. I'm 5x5 five five on uh, PokerStars and on Twitter. Uh, and I had my first Royal Flush of my life this weekend on ACR. Hey-oh. Very exciting. Oh, nice. I feel like everyone gets them all the time, and I've never <laughs> had one in my life, so it was very exciting. It's hard to get Royal Flushes with pocket fives, Chris. Yeah, that's true. That's Good true. points. Good points. Well, my name's Jim Reed. I'm Blufsterini in the home game, and I have a bad video or internet connection, so you'll probably just see my screen for the rest of this. But I'm here and having a great time on the Rec Poker Podcast. I'm John Somsky. I'm Poker Geek MN just about everywhere, and I'm just looking forward to talking about some poker. And I'm Rob Washam, uh, Radman50 on the Poker Stars home game. And if you never fold to a bluff, you're not folding enough. <laughs> nice. Great wisdom from Rob. And hey, I want to introduce somebody else to, uh, to the nation. Some of you know this guy already, but he's going to join us tonight uh, because he is our latest member of the Wrecking Crew, uh, Woody Adams. Welcome to the panel. Uh, thanks a lot, Steve. Um, totally love to be part of the, uh, of the team. And... Um, yeah, I'm excited to be here. Uh, my name is Rocket Box on uh, PokerStars PA. Um, I really love the social aspect of the game. That's what really drew me into uh, Rec Poker, and I just can't wait to see uh, how this community grows. Awesome. And we'll be chatting with Woody a little bit later after the interview. So uh, thanks for joining us, Woody, from Pennsylvania. I uh, appreciate you being here. I also want to thank our official sponsor, Running Aces Racetrack Casino Hotel, our other podcast sponsors, Learn Pro Poker and Website Amp. And just real quick, uh, use the code RECPOKER at the new rec.poker website. Uh, get 10 bucks off your first payment on any membership. So with that, let's bring him in, uh, Jason Sue. Welcome, Jason. Hey, how's it going? Thanks for having me. Real good, man. We're, we're super excited to have you on. I know you've been doing the circuit a little bit, but uh, we, we need to get you in front of Rec Poker Nation. Where are you uh, calling in from? Um, I call Boulder, Colorado home these days. You call it home. Is it actually home or do you just call it home? Yes, it is. No, I've been here uh, eight years <laughs> now, so I love it very much. Because I call Paris, France home, but I've never been there. <laughs> <laughs> Boulder, Colorado, very nice. But where are you originally from? Uh, Houston, Texas, born and raised. Nice. And went to college in Austin and lived in Texas till I was 28 or 29 or so, and then moved out to Colorado. Awesome. Well, thanks for coming on here. I know you've been chatting with a lot of people about your, your new book, uh, which is what we definitely want to talk about. Um, author of Poker with Presence, Unlocking the Final 15%. So uh, first of all, let's talk a little bit about just getting into writing. Is that something that's sort of always been on the radar? Have you always been kind of a writer or does this just kind of come out as, a, as an unexpected project? Yeah, I've always loved writing just as a way to express my thoughts. Um, always been a journaler and somebody who preferred writing my thoughts out to speaking it necessarily. And so when I wanted to put down my thoughts on paper around these ideas around how to perform at my highest levels, how to have as much fun as possible each time I play poker. 
it was more natural for me to write them down than to like make a video series or, or anything else like that. Love it. Well, one of the things that, that was quoted uh, from you is, that, is this, and I really want to talk about this because it's an interesting thing for the rec poker player. You know, so much of what we do is focused on strategy, uh, you know, because we, don't, we have limited time, so it's always strategy, strategy, hand history, and I think that's really important. Uh, but, you, but you said presence bridges the gap between what you study and how you perform. It aligns your intuition with your ability. Presence unlocks your potential to make the perfect play at just the right moment. While a firm grasp of poker knowledge can take you to 85% of your maximum poker potential, you need to be fully present to unlock the final 15%. And I think uh, a lot of at least recreational players, myself included early on, sort of poo-pooed this idea of the mental games. Like, okay, well, that's just whatever. That's, you know, I don't know if that's really legitimate. But over the last few years as we've done this, we've talked to a number of people, you know, the Elliot Rose of the world, Gareth James, Krisha Cardiners, uh, that, that continue to give more more credit to the mental game so maybe maybe start with how how do you how do you help recreational players or pros kind of get over that hump of saying "Ah, I don't know is this really legitimate can this add to value to my game to actually accepting this yeah I think that with people who are more rec players there's there's a big element of like you may not necessarily realize how much you actually have inside you at any given moment. And so if you can really get locked in and focused, engaged with the moment, um, you can kind of let all that stuff come out. Right. And whereas if you're kind of stuck in your head and really trying to figure it out every moment you're at the table, you're kind of playing into like what the pros want you to do, which is to like talk yourselves in circles and eventually Mm. just like click a button eventually. But if you're really like present engaged, you know, you're just as good as anybody else at observing people. You're just as good at anybody else at thinking on your feet and making adjustments on the fly. And so when you're really in the moment, you have that capability and that's extraordinarily valuable no matter how much technical knowledge you have. So that's so good. So how, how do we kind of get, how do we, how do we take that first step? How do we, I know you're not a psychologist, but maybe I need you to be my psychologist, but like, yeah. how, how do we, how do I take that first step of, of saying I accept that, this is an important part of the game. You know, I hear people say it, but I'm not really practicing it. How do I get over that hump to actually start moving in that direction? Well, I think the thing you just got to do is, is try it and see if you like it. See if you enjoy coming at poker more from this perspective rather than the other of kind of like trying to be fully mental um, thinking about every little step of every little hand, right? I, I always tell people that when you're actually playing poker, the time to get better at poker and learn things and figure out the strategies is that's not the time for that. When you're playing poker, I think the time that's the time to really just breathe and get focused and centered in yourself and just let your game go and let it happen. Because if you try and be somebody who you're not, when you're sitting down for a session of poker and try to copy somebody else's thought process, you're just going to make a lot of mistakes. Hmm. Well, panel, feel free to jump in here at any time. They, they know the drill. Rob, do you have something? Well, Jason, you got me on page one of your book <laughs> because about 20 years ago, I bought a book called The Inner Game of Golf. Hmm. And it was by Timothy Galway. And he was talking about how he used to be a tennis player and then he switched to golf. And, and that's when my, you know, the inner game or the meditation type thing of, of letting yourself go 
was first introduced to me and it worked so well in golf. I couldn't believe it. My handicap went down like 10 strokes just by following the concepts in that book. So I really understand what you're talking about. But as a, as the rec player, I think a lot of us don't have that, that 85% locked up very well yet. (laughs) And so even if we come into the game or into a, a session and we feel pretty loose and relaxed, we get that one hand that, that we don't understand or we get confused about and then, then everything goes to heck mm. <laughs> and now we're done. Yeah. So how do you get yourself back? I guess once you've, mm. you know, once that's happened. Yeah. I would, I would just start by in that position, really acknowledging and accepting that, like that's a thing that's going to happen as a rec player, right? Who doesn't have all the same time and resources to de- dedicate into studying technical poker theory on an everyday basis, like a pro does. And so once you just accept that, yeah, that's probably going to happen sometimes. And that's totally okay because, you know, I'm here and I love this game so much and I'm still growing. And just because I make one mistake in a spot that um, I don't know yet, it doesn't mean that like, uh, I've failed or that there's anything wrong with me it just means that I haven't studied that spot yet. So, you know, accept that it's probably going to happen. And once it happens, it's probably going to happen again in the future. But if you just take the approach of, yeah, I'm going to learn the lesson from this hand so that I don't make this mistake again, each time it happens, that's a much more effective use of your mental space and mental energy than kind of like beating yourself up and then letting the rest of your session kind of go to waste. Right. And, uh, yeah, like I think that as, as rec players there, there are so many things that you bring to the game that professionals aren't really focusing on as much. Right. And so everybody has special things that they do really, really well, just on a human level, right. You might be an expert at observing people. You might be an expert at communicating, um, you know, without words or reading communication without words, or you might be an expert at just uh, knowing when somebody's mood has shifted, right? And so the more of that that you can bring to the game and use at the table, the more you'll have fun and you'll be uh, using your own personal gifts to kind of make up for that skill deficit quite a bit. Is, is it one of those things that when you start implementing, you know, this and start being more aware of this, that you actually notice a difference in, in, in strategy in terms of how you're playing? Or is it really about just your, your mental state at the table, which obviously allows you to make more rational, logical decisions? It's, it's kind of both, right? Like, I think that it allows for clear um, thought processes to go through you without actually having to go through every step of it. So what I've found is that when I'm really in that place of playing with full presence, there's no issue for me in terms of kind of recognizing instantly in the moment what I want to do and then doing it, right? And when I'm not in that space, then what happens is I can kind of talk myself out of my first instinct. I can kind of find justifications for doing things that I'm going to regret later. And and so the whole goal for me with playing poker with presence is to kind of get rid of that filter that friction around what I know deep down is the right play that I want to do for me in this moment and actually following through with ease. 
Now I know that, that you play a lot of different games. You play a lot of different stakes, you know, low stakes, high stakes. You play, you play all kinds of, you play you know, MTTs, you play cash limit, hot limit, no limit. Uh, you're getting into mixed games. Are there certain games or, or environments where you find that it's more difficult to get that final 15%? Hmm. I don't, I don't really think so. I think that poker, just every version of poker offers a different avenue to get into that space in a different way, right? So depending on if you're playing no limit or mixed games limit or a tournament or a cash game, they're all going to offer different entry points for you to find your way into presence. And, and so it's a lot of fun to get to explore a lot of different avenues rather than just always playing like no limit hold'em. And, and so the more games you explore, the more opportunities you have to really like see, oh, how can I engage with this game in a way that really accentuates my personal mm-hmm. strengths? And how can I engage with this game in a way that I really enjoy, which is a lot of fun. Interesting. Chris, now I know you had a, a comment and maybe a hand as well for Jason. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's less a hand. And, and I promise this is not just a bad beat story, but this is a, <laughs> this is a, a, a cruel game. And I want to talk about playing with presence when yeah. everything's going wrong. And I think that's one of the hardest times to do it. So just, I want, but I want to sort of couch this in a real world situation. This actually happened to me a couple of weeks ago and I noticed how much it impacted my play I'm playing in a tournament. It's an online tournament. Uh, I am the overwhelming chip leader of the entire tournament. I have over 200 big blinds and the next largest stack has like 95. So I've got, double the stack of everybody i'm just cruising along and there's this person at my table who is shoving like 50 big blinds every hand um well not every hand but a lot of the time and so they shove into me 55 big blinds with uh queen nine off and i have aces and i call and of course the flop is queen nine whatever and uh they get there and now so now i'm down to like 150 big blinds and they've got 110 and then three or four hands later i have queens and they shove again with a hundred big blind stack and i snap call it off and they have threes and of course there's a three on the river so now i'm down to 40 big blinds and they're just massive chip leader and i'm fuming and tilts going off everywhere and this is the very next hand. So that was, that was, I was on the button the previous hand. Now I'm in the small blind and it folds to our friend who's been Mr. Light Shove on the button and they open and I have 40 big blinds. And I have ace jack suited. Now I know how I would approach this normally. In a, if I had 40 big blinds in a tournament, this would be a pretty standard play for me, but I'm, I'm caught up in this. I'm caught up in how this player has been playing. I'm caught up in what do I do here? Uh, I'm, I'm aware of the fact that I'm like, you know, about to explode, but I'm also not quite sure how to approach this. Is this a hand I should fold and just like mm. step away and cool off for a while? Is this a hand that I should play, like try to play my best the way I would normally play it? But how do I even know how I, you know, how do I even, I, you know, like approach these kinds of situations when everything seems to be going wrong and I'm in a spot where I can still try to like, I haven't been kicked out of this tournament. I still have some opportunities. Like how do you recommend players approach these situations when, you know, they haven't busted, but everything Mm. seems to be going wrong. Yeah. The world is swirling around you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, By the way, what, what would you normally do in that situation if you were feeling fine and normal? 
If I was feeling fine and normal and I saw a player who had been opening this wide, uh, I would definitely be three betting this hand. Like I would, I would undoubtedly be three betting it to um, uh, a, a pretty, you know, probably seven big blinds, seven or eight big blinds from a, from a min open. Um, but in this case, I'm kind of considering, do I shove here hmm. because of the dynamic that's been built here? Yeah. They're probably going to perceive me as being on tilt and not as strong as I am. And they've shown a propensity to call off with just garbage. And I think I still have a very likely the best hand here. So that would be that would be my if I if this was an uh, an unknown player who I just had been noticing had been opening too much, uh, I would probably I would be three betting, but obviously I wouldn't be shoving forty big blinds. Right. Yeah, I think this is like the big opportunity, right? Because everybody is fine and and present when things are going really really well, and that's no big deal, right? We we all play really well when we're running insanely good, and so this is the real test, right? This is where the you know, you get to separate yourself from, from the people who you want to make money off of. And, and so I think that there's two competing ideas here. One is that like you're upset, right? And you're feeling, um, you know, you're angry uh, about the beats and, and you're also scared. You're feeling some fear around like, well, I might be getting knocked out of the tournament here. And like five minutes ago, I was literally in like the driver's seat. And, and so there's some anger, there's some fear swirling around. Um, and, then, and then on this other side, there's this idea of like, and I still want to play uh, my best, right? I want to, this is like, I want to, I take pride in what I do. I want to play my best every hand to the best of my abilities. And, and so what I see in a lot of players, uh, professional and rec players alike, is that they don't think that both things can be true, right? So, so you might think that like, oh, if, if I allow myself to feel angry and, and really like let this fear um, you know, go through me, then I'm going to be incapable of, of playing, you know, the way that I want to play. And, and what I find that it's actually the opposite. If you just take a second, take a breath and acknowledge to yourself that like, yeah, and that I'm really upset about this. And, and I'm a little bit worried that I'm going to get knocked out of this tournament, this hand. Um, and you just acknowledge that to yourself. It's like, Oh, wow, that's true. Now you kind of like free up that energy and, and you can still choose to like, play differently if you want. You can still choose to fold because you don't want to get busted now or because you don't quite trust uh, how you're going to play this hand. You could, you might choose to shove because you really, really would rather not bust than, um, you know, play the way that you would normally play. And then you also might choose to uh, play the way that you know the hand is supposed to be played. But the important thing is that in that moment, are you able to really just be with those feelings and not push them aside? Right. When you push them aside, you become a version of yourself that is incapable of playing your best poker. When you let it in, um, you still might not play your best poker, but at least you'll, you'll have a shot and you'll be uh, in a space where you're being honest with yourself, which is really a good thing. So is that how, how, what, I love that question, Chris. I could just, I mean, it wasn't just a bad V story. I think, you know, I could feel the anxiety just in, in you telling the story. I had 200 big blinds, then I had 150, then I had whatever. Um, yeah, I, I think that that's it. But how do you, uh, I, I like what you're saying, Jason. I think the, the challenge for, for me and maybe others is, okay, well, well how? That, that sounds good. Hmm. Um, but what, what either in your book or what advice do you have? To, how, how do we do that? Okay, I, I like the idea of saying, yep, I'm upset about that. That's true. And 
I'm also going to play my best poker um, because I think we do sort of choose one over the other, right? The, amy- yeah. the amygdala kicks in and we're either, you know, we're, we're, we're fighting or we're flying. So how do we take that first step to be able to let those two things exist at the same time? Yeah. So, so the first is to just let, let the feelings be there. Right. And, and so when you allow them to just occupy a part of you, um, then they're no longer causing tension. They're just kind of hanging out. Hmm. And, and so it's not that like, I'm going to feel, you know, angry and I'm going to feel scared and I'm definitely going to play my best. It's, it's more like I'm going to allow whatever emotions, um, you know, sensations, sometimes you might start like sweating, right? You might start feeling uh, stomach pain or, or whatever, or chest tightness, right? I'm just going to like, let that be true. Um, I'm going to, you know, breathe with that and, and just accept that that's happening right now. And, um, and my, my intention is to play my best poker. And, you know, both of those things can definitely happen at the same time. Uh, but if you don't give yourself that opportunity to feel what you're feeling in that moment, then you basically have like no shot of playing your best poker. Or if you do, you're going to, uh, you know, create tension and stress somewhere else in the rest of your life. Like a, a lot of pro players that I work with, they've gotten amazingly good at not letting the tension and the stress get to them when they're playing. But then once they like log off for the day or they're done playing, then they, you know, just blow things up, uh, the rest of their life because they haven't dealt with it in that moment. Mm -hmm. So in that moment is the big opportunity to just see like, can you really be with it? And then can you breathe? And, and then can you like conceive of what your best game looks like and, and kind of go from there. And, And it's just practice, right? Each time you get into that space is an opportunity to improve your ability to do that. I was going to say that uh, it sounds a lot like um, I do some meditation and part of meditating is you, you know, you do your breathing and you're counting your breaths and, and you can't stop your mind from thinking because it will, it's always going. But what you can do is start acknowledging those thoughts and let the, letting them take over what you are doing at that moment in time. So we always talk about, you need to train yourself off the table for that 85% stuff. But I think it's also true that you have to train yourself on that 15% stuff too. As you, as you become better at meditating, you become better at letting those thoughts go. And so now when you run into that at a, at a table, like what, what happened to Chris, now he has the, the knowledge or the background to understand that, hey, I can just let that go. But if you haven't done that off the table stuff, it might be a little more difficult when you're sitting right there getting your ass handed to you. (laughs) I know one of the common things that people say is, you know, when you're steaming or whatever, get up, take a walk around. Mm -hmm. And I think that's probably a similar, I mean, it doesn't work in the middle of a hand and obviously in an online tournament, it doesn't work. And it's more of a cash game type of thing. Um, But taking a break, acknowledging what's happening and kind of resetting yourself, I think makes sense. And, and by acknowledging that you are in fact having some emotions that at least gives you a shot at not making the actions you do a reaction to them. Whereas if you're trying to just pretend they don't exist, then how can you possibly avoid the consequences of your emotions. 
Yeah, really well put. And I actually wrote about one way that we can uh, manage these situations most effectively in terms of our strategies, which is that I like to match up kind of how I'm feeling with the strategy that I'm going to be playing. So if I'm feeling really, really good and confident in my game and really focused and really present, then I allow myself to kind of follow the more uh, intuitive or maybe aggressive lines that I see that I'm kind of drawn towards. But mm-hmm. if I'm kind of in a, a tired space or in a bad mood or, or like Chris said, you know, just took three or two or three huge beats and now I'm really all jumbled up, then I tend to default more towards uh, conservative basic strategies to just kind of like show down the best hand more often than not and not go for the big bluffs and not go for the big hero calls. Because when I'm rattled and I'm not in a good place, then my intuitions aren't going to be as reliable as when I'm feeling really good. So it's a process that I call it matching because you just kind of like match how you feel to how you play your strategy. And, and the beauty of it is that when you are you know, not feeling great and you go to a more conservative, you know, basic ABC showdown good hands strategy, uh, you're much more likely to win money in the near future, right? Than if you were to use the more aggressive strategy. And so nothing makes a poker player feel better than winning money, right? And so you can win some money and then you start feeling better. Then you can start getting a little more aggressive with it, a little more uh, trusting your reads. And then all of a sudden you're, you're up a lot and now you feel great and you go for like, you know, the play of your life, which has a much higher chance of working when you're feeling really good. Woody? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Jason, this is uh, Woody. I've um, I really enjoyed reading your book, man. I I was wondering if you could if you could go into a little bit about um, how body intelligence and how you can like really hone in on that. That stuff was really interesting to me. I did those exercises, man, mm. and I must have looked goofy doing them, but like, because <laughs> you know how it is, right? <laughs> You're moving your body in different mm. ways that you never have before yeah. doing experience. It was good stuff. And I was wondering if you could go into that a little bit about how you might be able to use that to your advantage at a, in a live poker setting. Yeah. Well, if you ever play poker with me live, you'll probably notice that I pretty much get up and like out of my chair more than like anybody you'll ever see. And, and the reason why is because sitting just doesn't uh, allow for all of my knowledge to come through me. Uh, as well as when I am more connected to my body, whether I'm moving something or focusing on my breath or focusing on, you know, using my awareness in some way that helps me to connect my inner experience to my outer experience. So, you know, the the exercises are actually pretty basic, right? Um, there's a breathing exercise. There's like a quick movement exercise that you can use to, you know, generate some new pathways in your brain. Um, you can also just take note of how your body feels on the inside. And, and these are all ways to just kind of snap out of that old pattern of just getting stuck in your mind and believing all of the thoughts that you're having are true, right? And, and that's kind of the whole goal of connecting to, to your body intelligence for me is getting out of that space where you're running your mind in circles and you just kind of never stop. And, and so just breaking that out of that trance is worth lots and lots of money to to people who uh, you know suffer from these diseases of the mind at the poker table, 
And, and so, yeah, they're, you know, pretty simple and, and it's really just more of a willingness to use them and enjoy the benefits of them. Right. Uh, I think so many people get worried about looking weird at the poker table or, or anything like that, but you don't have to make big movements to move a little bit the table. You can kind of wiggle your fingers underneath the table or wiggle your feet. Um, you know, just generating some movement to take yourself out of that frozen stuck place is, is really beneficial because when you go into uh, fight or flight, you often just bunker down and, you know, don't move and, and your thoughts start racing and the adrenaline is pumping in your body. And, and that's not the best place to play from. So, um, yeah, just being aware that you have other options is, is a good move. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and the, um, the recommendations that you were saying in the book, I felt like you could do them at any time during the tournament. And especially like with online play, like um, the, the breathing exercises should be done like on the, on the regular, especially in, in uh, sticky situations like that. I was just, um, yeah, I was just thinking about um, how you might be able to, uh, how you might be able to stay in that zone you know how you might be able to how you might be able, like what are the daily practices mm. like the daily routines that you that you could do to uh to really s- stay in that zone yeah i actually can tell you that the probably the best tournaments i've played live tournaments were the ones where i was pretty much focused completely on staying connected to my breath the whole tournament and so like as far as a practice is concerned, like focusing on that and then focusing on making sure that my body is staying in movement, that's really simple. And, and that's kind of all that needs to be done, right? And it's not like there's anything uh, brand new uh, that nobody's ever done before in that book. It's just that the book talks more about how beneficial it is to do these things consistently. And, and so if you find that you get more oriented towards connecting to your inner experience on top of your outer experience while you're playing poker, rather than focusing on how to make the absolute perfect play in every spot, you'll actually make the perfect play a lot more often uh, going about it this way. I'm, I'm curious a little bit about uh, motivation for the book and maybe that's the wrong word. Um, you know, it feels like, and I don't know your whole backstory, so I don't know, is this, is the, is this a culmination of this is sort of been who you've always been. You kind of always practice this and you realized, you know, there, there's a whole world of poker players that need to know this, or is it the result of a journey of you discovering this because you realized you weren't making optimal decisions? What, what sort of led up to the book and, and who are you hoping to help? with the book? Yeah, it's kind of both. I, even very early on in my playing poker, I would have maybe once a year, I would play a session where it was like, this was amazing. I played so well, better than I thought I could. And I wasn't even trying. Right. And then, so that turned into, well, how come this doesn't happen more often, which then turned into studying lots of, you know, things about performance psychology and presencing and body intelligence and emotional intelligence. And, and so, yeah, the last probably eight or nine years of me playing poker has been focused heavily on exploring how good I can get at poker using this framework rather than uh, one where I solely just study poker all the time. And so, yeah, I've, I've done a lot of coaching over the years for poker strategy. And I've also done um, a lot of kind of using these techniques within the coaching. And, 
yeah, in about like November of last year, October, November, I just had this thought come through me that I, I really want to put it all down in, in a way that is easy for people to read and digest and help as many people as I can to access that part of themselves because, you know, there's so many poker players who struggle with things like satisfaction and happiness with their experience and their relationship with the game. And if I can contribute to them shifting that in some way to live happier lives, then I really, really wanted to do that. I love it. As kind of a follow-up to that, how do you discern or how do we discern um, when when we're playing well or when the results are there that uh, it's attributable to us being in the zone, being present versus just good variance? Because I think so many of us recreational players are so results-oriented. Mm. You know, we, we win a tournament, and because, man, all of our bluffs were getting yeah. through, we were making the right folds at the right time. Mm. And sometimes that's just dumb luck, right? Sometimes that's just the variance piece. Uh, our bluffs do get through, or we hit the river, or whatever it is, and we think, man, I was just on my game. I was playing my A game, mm-hmm. crushed the table, let's go. Mm-hmm. And then maybe the next time, you know, not so much, and we think, yeah, I was just tired, yeah. I wasn't in my A game. And so I think we, we kind of use our mental state as an excuse for to, to support the results that we had mm-hmm. versus actually knowing that we're in the right mental state regardless of the outcome. Mm-hmm. So you know what I'm saying? Like how do we, how do we discern if it's due to our, our being, being present versus just variance? Yeah. I think, well, deep down you probably do know. and you're probably right (laughs) if you if you really like deep down was i in the you probably know right it's not um you're not going to lie to yourself on on the deepest level of of whether you were in the zone and i'll say that the more that you practice uh having this be an awareness that you take with you into your poker then the much more easily you'll be able to discern uh, these types of things when you're leaving the arena right so the more present focused you get while you're playing the more you'll be able to be completely honest with yourself on the drive home, right? And, and the more, but the more that you kind of check out and go into super heady, uh, fear-based thinking while you're playing, the, the less reliable your uh, assessments will be after each session as well. Rob? Yeah, I know that uh, when I first read The Inner Game of Golf, it was uh, very enlightening because if you know the golf swing, there's a whole bunch of stuff going on. And if you try to have your body, you try to tell your body what to do, it's not going to work. So you have to trust your body to know what it's going to do. And so I think what you're saying here is you need to sit down at the poker table and understand that you are where you are. Mm -hmm. You can be in the zone and just let it happen but if you try to force it, it's not going to happen. And that's the difference between like, like I say in golf, if you try to force a shot, it's never going to, you're never going to pull it off. If you just focus on the target and just let it go, it just happens. And so it's trying to get into that zone that you call it. And we've all been in the zone, whether it's playing golf, you were playing tennis, uh, playing poker, we've all been in the zone, but it's understanding that, you need to put yourself in a position to let the zone happen when you sit down. You can't just uh, you, you, you can't just show up and you're either in the zone or you're not. You have to prepare yourself to to be into the zone when you do sit down. Yeah, that's 
kind of what it's all about, right? Like the, the thing that keeps us out of the thing that we try to do the most is thinking our way through every little detail. And so if we can give our conscious mind uh, a job to do, a very important job to do, but a job to do that has nothing to do with the actual nuts and bolts of, of what we're doing, whether we're playing tennis or playing golf, then the subconscious, which knows way more than we give it credit for, is free to come out and play. But when the conscious mind is in charge of every single detail of every single hand, then we're kind of cut off from all that knowledge that we've kind of accrued um, internally. And, and so we really limit what we're capable of when we operate that way. It's so interesting. I would love to talk to you for hours about this because uh, I'm a big fan of like personality, uh, you know, tests and, and different things like that, trying to figure out different how people are wired because it feels like there are certain personalities that would struggle with this more than others Oh yeah. Uh, because just, you know, of how you're hardwired. But I have one final question, but before I, I do that, I want to bring the panel in or anybody that's, uh, that's listening. If you have any other questions for Jason, now's the time we're, we're getting to the end of our, our time. Anybody else have something they want to jump in here with? I just right, wanted so to say that. Go ahead, Andrew. Sorry, go ahead. I just wanted to say that, like a lot of this stuff is stuff that I have struggled, especially live. Mm-hmm. And it actually seems like I've had more problems lately with uh, online because I'm not around people where I can just express what I want. So it's kind of been a little bit of both, where I I tend to get a little bit more upset, but maybe that's a good thing. But the breathing <laughs> techniques that that I was uh, kind of focusing on have really, like you said, just just focusing on yourself and focusing on your breath has has helped a lot. Like you know, my wife's in the other room, like, what's wrong? Oh, I just lost aces to whatever, you know, I had him dominated. <laughs> this guy called me, God dang it. But it kind of ties into something that Negranu, uh, I've heard him say, where he, he's one that is not afraid to show emotion. He's one to be very present, as you guys have seen, if anybody's watched any of his <laughs> vlogs. But one thing that he did say, just kind of what you're saying is, you know, if you feel present, okay, give yourself a second to be, oh, that guy called me with ace deuce. Oh, how could he? He's such a, Mm -hmm. but then just, you know, bringing it back in, how am I going to deal with this? And Mm -hmm. like you said, playing your, your most standard game has, has been able to bring you back into, into bring yourself back to yourself, I guess is a good way to put it. But no, I just wanted to, I I love your aspect and your approach to it. So I just wanted Mm -hmm. to bring that up. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. I think that the most important thing people can take away from discussion like this is that you always have options, right? You, you get to respond however you want to respond. Not everything is automatic wired in that, Oh, it's all ruined now. It's all over now. Um, you know, you have, you have a choice in the matter to uh, bring yourself back in to connect with yourself and, and go from there. Well, I think that's the value of talking to people like you too, that brings sort of this third narrative into a discussion, right? We, we sort of view things the way we've always viewed things. And then we, we want to bring in guests that are make, make us think uh, did something different. Like maybe, maybe there is another way. Maybe there is. Uh, and, and if you're thinking maybe there is another way, I'm not happy with uh, how, you know, my mental game, man, read the book. Go, go check out Jason Sue's stuff. Uh, fantastic stuff. Um, I know you've been in the, in the rec poker forums a little bit. That's been kind of fun to have you uh, engaging yeah. with our people. We just launched the site. Uh, so we're just sort of building that up. But, but thanks for jumping in those forums. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. Uh, so, so my last question I have for you is, you know, talking to you, it's like, I just wish I was, well, I don't know. I, I don't want to wish I was somebody else, but, but you're so even keel, right? Like I watched that. I'm like, oh man, it would be nice to just be even keel like that. So my, my last question is, is kind of a two part question. It's I want to see like Jason Sue 
super excited. Like, I want to see what, what do you look like when you just win the World Series of Poker Bracelet? And what do you look like when you just get your soul crushed? Is it the same look? Like, um, Well, I, I hope to show you what I look like when I win the World Series of Poker right. Bracelet. Pre- pretend for me. Is it, is I, it don't, just, I don't think there's, I don't think there's anything uh, to fully simulate that experience, but you see this big smile on my face. It would probably, yeah, all right. Uh, so there's a smile, like there's a fist, fist yeah, bump yeah. maybe? Yeah, yeah. Def- <laughs> there's definitely going to be like a little bit of fist bump from uh, the old tennis days. Uh, maybe, maybe a little bit of yelling. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, when I'm, when I'm getting soul crushed, I, I actually like, uh, probably just kind of look like normal. Um, probably because I've been playing poker for a really, really long time and I've played yeah. a whole lot of it. And, and so the soul crushing, I kind of just internalized uh, on my own and I don't really want to bring anybody else down with me. Uh, I, because I don't want people to tell me about how miserable they are <laughs> necessarily. <laughs> So, so I, you know, I don't, I don't do that to other people. Yeah. Oh man. That's, that's, that's so good. Well, tell us as we wrap up here, thanks again for your time. Like where, where can people find the book? Where can they connect with you? If people want to either approach you as a, as a coach uh, or just want some resources from you, uh, how do they connect? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, You can get the book poker with presence on Amazon. And if people want to reach out to me or contact me about some coaching uh, it's poker with presence.com. Well, that's pretty easy. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, we'll wrap it up there. I see Jim's jumped on here. Uh, Jim, Jim was a big part of getting you all uh, hooked mm-hmm. up here. But, but thanks, Jason. We're going we're gonna to stick around here and do some other stuff. But, uh, uh, man, thanks again. Best of luck with, with the book and everything else that you got going on. Yeah, thanks so much. Really appreciate uh, all you guys here and really enjoyed the group panel discussion. It was, it was really cool. All right. Thank you. Well, there he is, uh, Jason Sue, guys. Thanks, Go Jason. Out, Thank you, Jason. Buy the book, guys. connect with him. <laughs> All right, take care. Yeah, you too. All right, guys, well, what do we have to say? Let's, let's get some feedback here on, on what you guys thought. Chris? Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's great to talk to him, and I think we've all been there as poker players where we're not playing our best and we're off our game because, you know, I think it, it, the thing he said that sort of stuck with me is that we're all really – good at playing poker when everything's going well Mm -hmm. and we have to be uh, equally good or try to be equally the the challenge is to be equally good when things aren't going as well (laughs) Uh, and um, and so you know I I think that's just really valuable and um, by the way I shoved that ace jack so I don't know I wanted to know I wanted to know for the record I shoved the ace jack and got called uh, but I did double up so Okay. A little bit of justice in the world. (laughs) I could just feel your pain during that whole conversation. (laughs) Rob and then John. No, I was just going to say that, uh, you know, I've, I've used that mental type of thing in a physical aspect, physically playing golf. Right. But I've never really related it to, to playing poker because you know, I'm always in my head when I'm playing poker. I'm always thinking of the next move. It's like, oh, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And so I think he opened up a, another uh, way of looking at poker and how, how a person can approach poker. And with his body intelligence, he calls it, right? The body quotient or whatever. And it's just, I never never thought of it in something as a cerebral game, right? Because that's what poker is, as opposed to a physical game. So this is going to be interesting going forward. I'm going to try to see if I can incorporate some of these lessons that he's given us in the poker and just see see what happens. I think it should, should be an interesting experiment. Yeah, keep us posted. John? 
Uh, I thought back to uh, many people have said that Chip Reese was one of the greatest poker players that ever lived. And the thing about him wasn't, I mean, there were lots of players that when they were playing their best were better than Chip was. But Chip had a good A game. And when he was playing poorly, his game got, you know, A minus B plus Mm. at worst. And so it was the fact that he just always played near his best all of the time that made him one of the greatest players of all time. So, you know, I think that lends credence to these types of things of trying to just mentally make sure that you are playing as close to your best as possible. That's really good insight. Like, like if it's the 85, 15, like if I can always get the 15 nailed, even if my 85 is at, is at 70, at least I'm at 70, but if I'm, you know, if you get the skill and the mental side, if my mental side's always there, at least I'm playing to my full potential. If, if neither are up to par, then I got problems. That's really good. Well, anything else guys, before we hit the round robins? All right, well, let's do that. Before we jump into the round robins, though, let's, uh, I want to get Woody on here uh, again, just a, a little bit bigger of an introduction. Uh, we don't have to spend a lot of time, but, uh, you know, he's been somebody that's been part of Rec Poker now for a while. We've been having a lot of conversations over the last uh, several months, uh, and we've been anxiously awaiting to get the new website launched so we could uh, get Woody involved uh, more in this thing. But, uh, Woody, tell, tell the crew a little, bit about, uh, uh, a little bit about your backstory or how you got into poker or whatever you want to share. Uh, sure. Thanks, Steve. Um, yeah, I started playing poker in, uh, 2012. So it was, uh, after, it was after kind of the poker boom. I didn't really play in college and I never really got into online. I just started playing for the social aspect. Like I was just hanging out with some guys and, um, (laughs) it was a bunch of, it was a bunch of dudes who I really didn't know. And they, they said, Hey, you know, you're bored why don't you come and play a game? And so I said, I never played poker. And they said, perfect. Right. So <laughs> come play with us. <laughs> yeah, right. exactly. Bring your wallet. <laughs> your money's good here. There's an ATM down the block. <laughs> yeah, it was great. But these guys were terrific and they actually did want to teach me how to play the game. So they, um, so they, so they taught me kind of how to play like with the rules and the, and I was for the first couple of weeks, I was sitting there with my hand ranking chart on my yeah. phone. And then, like, I would look at my chart, I would look at my hand, and I would just shove all in. <laughs> I just didn't understand how to play the game. I didn't have right. presence. I didn't have the presence, right? Also, well, periodically, you'd look at the chart and then just shove all in, even if you didn't have it. Be like, Ooh. right? That's, <laughs> that's uh, that phase two, right? I, I wish I had those moves back then. Forget about <laughs> it. But I did. Um, I did pick up the game uh, pretty good in New York, and uh, and then when I moved out to Los Angeles, that's when I actually started to study it. Um, that's when I actually like went to the went and like did some research on you know how to play the game, and um, and I I found some success out there, and I found some success across the country, and it was just like uh, one of the things that I love about the game is just the you can play it anywhere. Like you can play it all around the world and people, people know, people know what, what the game is and it's easy to pick up. It's easy to learn. And what do they say? It's like a lifetime to master, right? Yeah. It's like, it's uh, it's a complex game and it's beautiful and it's complexly. 
Oh, it's it's awesome, man. We, we're we're so happy that you're part of the Wrecking Crew, part of the part of the community. Uh, if you want to connect with Woody, go to Wreck.Poker slash Woody Adams. Uh, you can also just go to uh, to meet the Wrecking Crew. We got a page out there. Uh, all the folks that are part of the Wrecking Crew out there, we each have our own individual profiles. So you kind of poke around there and meet all the people, learn more about uh, all of us. Uh, a number of us are offering different coaching packages or different ways that you can connect with us. So check that out. And Woody's Woody's out there too. So a uh, pleasure to have you on board. Woody, uh, excited to, to see what happens in the future. Yeah, thanks a lot, Steve. I'm really stoked to be uh, to be part of the Wrecking Crew. Awesome. Well, let's uh, let's get into the round robin pieces. Uh, we'll start as per usual uh, with the stoic one, Mr. Somsky. All right. Well, uh, just a reminder: August 5th is our next No Limit Hold'em home game, and August 12th will be our mixed game, which is Pot Limit Omaha Eight or Better. And I have uh, finished recording a video for that, and that should be up available soon so if you are watch the limit hold'em uh eight or better video this is basically the same thing only it's pot limit instead of fixed limit john are you gonna uh, ever have me win a hand in one of those videos no, i'm always, actually, in, the, I'm always you, in the hand but i always lose you're the designated loser all right uh, that's the way it, right the way it works and i'm the de designated donkey if you notice you know john in those videos almost always is making the worst play steve is usually playing okay he just happens to you know get beat and then right. maria of course yeah, is Maria's always winning. and yeah wins the ball uh anyway um so june TOC winner was none other than Frogman Rick. Rick yes. Day. He won Daisy, his first Daisy. silver pin. We love you, Rick. Then uh, for our nightly series, on July 13th, R. Diesel won one. Rob Diesel won his first nightly series. On July 14th, Orange Road, Josh Schwartz won his first nightly series. And then just to make sure he gets to play in next month's <laughs> Tournament of Champions as well, Frogman Rick, Rick Day, won his third nightly series victory on July 15th. Then July 16th came Wolfman 109, Adam Wolf, for his first nightly series victory. On July 17th, come Binkley, uh, Eric Jin won his first nightly series victory. And he's in the chat today. He's in the chat, Eric. Eric. Nice that job. was great. Yeah. Well, I mean, we have a lot of – it's kind of exciting. We have a lot of first and second games yeah. this week. So that's uh, good to see that people can actually challenge and take on, you know, people like uh, Drabeck. The Drabeck. Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, July 18th, Mile High Magic Man, David won his first nightly series victory. And then July 19th, Gloves 10-10, Colin Anderson won his second nightly series victory. Yeah, and great. Stuff. I, I was going to mention, you know, yeah, five out of the seven are first-timers, a couple of Colorado folks uh, in there. And before, John, Jim, just real quick, like, John, how many people are, are in the club now? I know we're getting, whatever, 50 or 60 a night or whatever it is, but how many people are actually signed up in the club? Do you know? I think we're just over 235. That's wow. awesome. That's amazing. And you know, one of the things that I love most about this is uh, Wolfman 109 and Cum Binkley are two of our forum champions. Eric yeah. and Adam are posting stuff in the forums all the time. They're doing great replies. It's really high-level stuff. So I'm not surprised at all to see them in the winner's circle. Way to go, yep. guys. Agreed. All right, Rob, what do you got for us? Or is Rob off this week? 
I was going to be off this week. He's off this week. <laughs> this, is, this is what happens when I run this. This is Andrew's week. <laughs> <laughs> but the book study, we're book study Wednesday. We're, we're, we got that coming up in a couple of weeks, right? Next, yep. next episode. Yeah. All right. Week, week from Wednesday, the 29th, is the next one. And we'll be going through 8, 9, and 10. I think rules 8, 9, and 10 from the, the game plan. So hopefully we'll get through all of them unless we go down some rabbit holes like we did the last time. And Steve had to come in and say, Hey, you guys shut it down. I need this. <laughs> we got another meeting. You guys <laughs> shut this thing down. Uh, we love our rabbit holes. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Thanks, Rob. Andrew. Uh, yep. So in case you guys missed it last time on learning with partners, we had solve for why and learn pro poker. Uh, if you did miss it, make sure to check it out in the premium membership area at rec.poker. Uh, for this Wednesday, the 22nd of July, uh, we'll be featuring poker coaching and red chip poker. Uh, we're going to dive into those videos, uh, and the, this session will be released the following week. Uh, so if you don't get a chance to come by Wednesday, it will be released to the membership area uh, the following week. Uh, and make sure, as always, check out rec.poker slash resources for any of the deals on any affiliate stuff. Awesome. Mr. Jones! Yeah, so in seminar member content land, um, so we're 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 getting um, ready for our August uh, seminar, which is all about value. But we're still in July, which is all about bluffing. So they're kind of two sides of the same coin. And then this Wednesday, July twenty second, is the member strat chat. Uh, we will be going over the final table of the tournament champions uh, home game um, and uh, picking apart some of the people who played particularly some of the panelists uh, should be, should be a good time. I, I was so, I, I'm so excited to have you guys do that. Honestly, like I really am. I, I took third in the tournament and I, I would just love, honestly, I'm super excited about having you guys break it down and find, find holes. So uh, super excited about it. <laughs> Uh, before we get to Jim, uh, well, Jim, maybe uh, why don't you go ahead and I think um, it'd be good to actually have Woody talk a little bit about what's happening on the, the Instagram site too. So, Jim, if your internet's good enough, why don't we bring you in here? <laughs> I'm gonna guess. Oh no, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just finally getting a good night's sleep that we got the site launched and it's going great. So, pass on me and keep talking about all this other exciting stuff. Jim's calling from apparently underwater is where he is right now as he's enjoying his, his time post-launch. But, but yeah, Woody is, Woody's jumping on here too. Uh, one of the things that we don't have uh, currently is an Instagram account. And we know that there's a lot of folks out there that engage with social media through Instagram. And Woody said, you know, how about I take this thing, man? He's, he's a hyper creative dude. Uh, got a lot of great ideas. So Woody, talk a little bit about uh, what the plan is for Instagram. Cool. Thanks a lot, Steve. Yeah. Um, Instagram is a great platform to reach a lot of people. And I think rec poker is, um, I think rec poker has a real opportunity to grow in, uh, new, in new places in new markets. And, um, we can do a lot of fun things with Instagram, man. <laughs> we can, uh, the first thing that I'm going to do is really like call out for the community to get engaged. I mean, this is not like a one man show. Rec poker has never been about like me. It's always been about us. So like, that's really what I want to, what I want to come across with the, uh, with the rec poker Instagram account. So we got rec.poker. It's about to go live this week. And I'm actually looking for some, uh, some assistance from the community. What I mean, I could, I could, I could, that's he's going to tease it out. So, so well, okay. 
I know you got a lot of ideas. I've seen, I've seen all the ideas. I love it. So it's just, uh, as we're teasing it out, we'll launch. We'll let people know when we launch, but uh, watch out for rec.poker on Instagram. When you say help from the community, uh, just what should people be prepared to do? Is, is it tagging? Right, so is it, there's, yeah. there's a couple, there's two things that I like people to do on Instagram right now. You can send me, uh, send hashtag rec.poker with your favorite hand, whatever that crazy favorite hand is of yours, or hashtag rec poker with your best poker face. We can show the world just what <laughs> yeah. rec poker is. I love it. So, so I'm going to do pocket fives. Uh, so nobody else on the panel oh, can take pocket fives. That's me. Hey, <laughs> trademark violation. Yeah. <laughs> No, it's, you know, Woody's got a ton of fun, fun ideas. It's going to be super fun. So if Instagram is a platform you're on, get ready. Look for that. Rec.poker is actually the, the Instagram handle that we'll be using, but we'll, we'll hashtag rec poker. Uh, we're going to have a lot of fun. So just have a lot of fun with it, everybody out there. Uh, anything else uh, for the good of the order before we wrap up, guys? I was just wondering if I could use this, you know, picture as my poker face because, you know, <laughs> I never show any emotion or change in emotion. He never ever. blinks. <laughs> yep. Can I, can I like just draw some shades on you or something? Yeah. Or horns or whatever you like. <laughs> Andrew, did you have anything else? Or are you good? I just want to let everybody know I'm the second follower on rec.poker for Instagram. So I'm just, oh, know, is it already out there? there? Is it, oh, is it live? Oh, thank you, Andrew. Thank you, Andrew. <laughs> is, is it live? So it's live now. Okay. I didn't know it was live. Let's get, let's go. Uh, I get, yeah, get gonna, out there. We're going to get some content. The idea is to, to gather content this week and launch live like go for it all full tilt on a friday so all right sweet up, but hit me up on instagram with hashtag rec poker with your favorite poker hand and your best poker face love it it's gonna be awesome all right, guys, go up to Instagram. You heard the man, Poker out there. Also, check out Rec.Poker, uh, the website that's launched. Sign up for the newsletter. Uh, thanks, Running Aces, Website Amp, Learn Pro Poker. Uh, thanks to Jason Sue. I thought that was a fantastic conversation. Thanks, Jim Reed, John Somsky, Chris Jones, Woody Adams, Rob Washam, and Andrew Feist uh, for another fun discussion. Uh, man, we keep thinking 30, 40 minutes, and I keep going an hour because it's just too good. But uh, thanks, guys, and we will chat with you all next week.